All right, it looks like everybody's finished praying, so I hope you're not finished praying, but for now at least. So take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 1. I told you when I came almost four months ago now that I would always be honest with you, and sometimes I would be a little more transparent than other times. You understand the difference between honesty and transparency? Honesty means I'm not going to lie to you. Transparency means sometimes I'll tell you more than you want to know. So in the spirit of transparency, I will tell you that Teresa and I have gone through a stretch recently where we almost hated to get phone calls from anybody in our family because it seemed like it was this series of crises and I began to be really concerned that you as our church family would begin to think that we were just all about drama all the time and... um, so the Lord dealt with me about that, and I appreciate y'all's uh, sensitivity to our family issues and the prayer that you have offered for us and for our family members. Um, but through the course of all of that, you know, the, the reality of this ongoing series of crises made us a little bit gun-shy. So let me ask you, how do you handle crises? When crisis comes to your doorstep, how do you deal with that? There are some people who exercise what I call the chicken little approach to crisis management. That is the part, you know, chicken little is, right? She the one, that's the one that said the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? So the chicken little approach to crisis management is that person who never wastes an opportunity to, to panic. And some people deal with crisis exactly like that. Their default mechanism is to panic, the sky is falling, we're all going to die approach. Some others of us have what I call the toddler approach to crisis management. And the the toddler approach is the one that says, I can do it myself. And many of us are that way. This is the one that I tend to fall into, which is to throw up the walls around and just kind of hunker down behind it. Hunker down is a Snyder term I learned when I married Teresa's family. So, um, but to just kind of pull back into ourselves and we'll just, I'll just figure this out and I'll deal with this and keep everybody at arm's length. My question is how do you typically handle crisis management? When crisis comes calling at your house, how do you deal with that? So tonight what I want to do is uh, take another step in what I uh, really am calling a series of devotionals. Uh, We started it this past Sunday night in our Sunday night Bible study. We'll do it tonight, this coming Sunday night, next Wednesday night, and then it gets hectic around here after that. So um, in Matthew chapter 1, we have one of these characters that are tied to the Christmas story. Now, on Sunday night, we dealt with, out of Luke chapter 1, we dealt with Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you don't know that, you should go back and read that and just kind of study it for what it is. But um, tonight, I want us to pick one of the famous characters of the Christmas story, and yet one of the most overlooked, and that is Joseph. So in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. And here's how it reads. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph, in this little section of scripture, gives us what I believe are four different principles of problem solving or crisis management, if you prefer that. And so what I'm going to try to do in 11 minutes is give you four points. Sunday mornings, just so you know, I'm usually trying to get one across. So this, I'll tell you the, the challenge that we have in front of us, but I'll see if I can get them all in there. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to get. When you find yourself in a problem or in a crisis, one of the first things you need to do is you need to get the right perspective. Because sometimes God is behind the crisis. Now... I need to pause there and let's make sure that we understand why this is a crisis for Joseph. We don't always talk about this or look at it from this vantage point. But I want you as best you can to put yourself into Joseph's shoes, sandals, tonight. But let's, let's do that as the story plays out. Rather than coming as one who knows the whole story, let's take it as it plays out. Put yourself in his shoes as this begins to play out, and we'll begin to see why this is a crisis for him. Now, I'm going to get to that in just a moment, but let me, let me see if I can do a little bit of application for us here first. Usually, uh, maybe not usually, occasionally, sometimes, our prayer requests are indicators of how common it is for us not to get God's perspective on our problems. That's a big statement, and I know that, so let me see if I can come back and get it this way. I want to I give you an update on our housing situation, but mostly now I want to back off, right? We had two different people talking about housing stuff, and I just got to get in on the party, so let me just tell you about ours, right? So when we came, y'all have agreed uh, to pray with us for the sale of our house in Lumberton. Two weeks after we moved out here. Uh, a hurricane went through there, and that community was isolated for two or three days. It was flooded all the way around it. Uh, even the street on which we lived had houses that were not totally underwater, but as much as three feet in some of the houses. Um, uh, and they were launching rescue boats at the end of our street and the main highway. We were at the doorstep of where some of that worst flooding occurred. And somehow in the midst of that Somehow in the midst of that, our home was preserved. No water in it, no water damage. Uh, God clearly was, um, was blessing us with that. And so we were here, and we were hearing reports of there, 
And I had people who I, and friends of mine there who were trying to get over to our house almost on a daily basis to look at it and make sure that everything was fine. Uh, that's a crisis. So it was a crisis for us. What are we going to do? How, how do you sell a house that's been flooded? And God preserved our house. And then we were told, on, we had several of these what I call false alarms. People saying, I'm going to buy your house. And, I mean, I had one guy tell me that straight up, I'm going to buy your house. Never, I hadn't heard from him since. I guess he thought he was talking to somebody else. I don't know. but um, So through all of that, we were praying, you were praying, and even our friends in Lumberton were praying that our house would sell. And it didn't sell. And it didn't sell. And it didn't sell. And so in the midst of all of that, I was praying, Lord, every day, every day, I woke up, Lord, is this the day you're going to sell our house? Please <laughs> sell our house. And nothing. So what do you do when you pray like that and nothing happens? Well, for me, it was one of those things that I had to finally step back from that and go, okay, God, there's got to be a reason that this is not sold. And so as best I can, I release all of that to you so that in your time, you sell your house. <laughs> Our prayer requests sometimes, maybe even often, marginalize the hand of God in what is going on because we want and we lean on those passages that say, ask what you want and you know those things. But if we're not careful, we can just totally marginalize God and the crisis becomes bigger than it ought to be for us. So the principle that I want us to get here is that we need, when we face a crisis, we need to get the right perspective. And the right perspective is God's perspective. Look at it from Joseph's point of view here. Joseph is a just man, Scripture tells us. And he, look at the timing of this. I, I, I'm intrigued by this. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. Let me stop there. And the timing of this doesn't fit. No, that's not the way to say that. The timing for Joseph is different than the timing for Mary. If you go to Luke chapter 2, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 31. I'm not going to go there right now. You can go check it out. But in that case, the angel's visiting Mary, and the angel says, you will be with child. Okay, let's go back to your grammar school, uh, learning English grammar. Will be is future. And what does it say in, in Matthew 1? Was found to be, that's Past tense, was found to be, right? So in Matthew 1, it's a backwards look, and Joseph is made aware of it. When did Joseph find out that Mary was pregnant? When did Mary find out that Mary would be pre pregnant? Just so you know, guys, you weren't the first one to be the last one to know. <laughs> and so, so what we get with this I think is Joseph finds out, but it's already happening. And one of the reasons we know that that's the case is because we see verse 19. Joseph finds out about this. Being a just man, he decides to 
put her away privately and divorce her. The key in that is that we recognize that God's in this. It is a crisis for Joseph. It's a crisis of enough as a just man that he, he's, I don't know what to do with this. Because according to the law and according to their customs, he could have easily have called for her death. So it's a crisis for him. What do you do with that? Put yourself in his shoes and you find out in the first century, not the 21st. 21st is a different thing. In the first century, this was a crisis. And it would be easy, if I'm in his shoes, it would be easy for me to go, God, I don't know, I don't know where you were, but it doesn't look like you were here. This is problematic. But we all know the story well enough to know that God's in this. Okay? So that means when we find ourselves in a crisis and we need to figure out what we're going to do, we need God's perspective on that, not just our own. Okay? Park that to the side. We'll come back to it shortly. Now I'm down to four minutes. And that's one point. So, um, again, back to the timing thing. We don't have a whole lot to work with there, so I don't want to read too much into it. Let me just come back and, and give you the second principle on this, right? Back to that timing thing. God's timing is always purposeful, but it may not seem to be palatable. That's another way of saying what God does, he does on purpose. But from our vantage point, especially in a crisis, it may not be all that pleasant. And I think that's true for Joseph in all of this. He sees her. He's stuck now with this situation. What do I do with this? It is a crisis to be sure. We see a bit of his struggle in verse 19. He's a just man. The implications of that for him is what do I do with this? this here, here I have a wife who all appearances say has violated the law and violated our betrothal. Our engagement, which was just almost as strong as a marriage. But it says that he was unwilling to put her to shame. At the same time, he resolved to divorce her, but he was going to do it quietly. It's a struggle for him. What does that tell us about Joseph, those actions that he took? I think that it, well, let's put it on us first. How do you handle people who fail? Because all indications are that Mary failed him in that relationship. There are those in Christendom who opt for the throw the book at them approach to handling people who fail. I served at a church with a staff member who made a terrible choice. Uh, actually, it was a series of terrible choices. Chose to walk away from, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. It, it was not a moral failure, although the way he handled it was a moral failure. It's just a bad series of choices. And the, it, that was bad enough, but what was harder for me to watch were some of our church people, some of our most respected spiritual-minded people, who wrote him off in every way because of that. Sometimes we handle people who fail by just throwing the book at them or totally cutting them off. Maybe the other side of that is sometimes we just let it slide and there is no point of reference that says, hey, you need to learn from this. There's got to be consequences with that. 
Here's the principle. This is the third principle, by the way. Uh, we need to be careful how we handle other people's failure. I love what Joseph does here. He's struck with the reality of the situation and he meets it head on, but he has compassion for Mary. If I'm in his shoes, I'm not sure how compassionate I would be if I thought that my fiance had totally walked away from the commitment. So hang on to that one. We'll get the last one in here. Looks like we're going to finish. I think this is the most amazing one of all four of these principles. Um, the insight into how Joseph teaches us something here about handling conflict or um, crises. Look at verse 24. I could read more to get into it, but verse 24 says, after the angel had spoken to him and given him this input, verse 24 says, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. <laughs> Sometimes... God will direct you to do difficult things. Like, oh, I don't know, move across the state. Imagine how hard this must have been for Joseph. Because just because he knew, based on the angel's direction to him, and Mary knew, nobody else knew. Well, Elizabeth knew, that's another part of the story. But those other people in their village, this, these people would have been holding Joseph and Mary at, harm, at arm's length. They, they, they could do the math. They knew that this wasn't the right time frame. And Joseph did it. He woke up from that and he went and he did what God told him to do. To, to do. So principle number four is when God gives you direction, you go with it. It may be hard, but I'll promise you it will always be best. I'll say that again. I don't say profound stuff very often. That's profound, all right? It may be hard. Often it's hard. But it's always best to do what God says. So let me pull this together. This is Wednesday night prayer meeting, and we've been working our way through praying with Jesus and uh, this is a little different take on that. We worked through the model prayer. And one of the things that we talked about in that is that I believe prayer, if it's anything at all, is a positioning tool for us in our relationship with Christ. And it begins with Father. And then it begins, I mean, then it goes next to not what I want. It's what you want. Your kingdom come. Your, be, your will be done. So it's a positioning tool for us. So taking these four principles of crisis management from Joseph, here's how I think it ought to affect our prayer lives. The first principle leads us to pray this way. When your life gets rolled and crisis comes to your front door, here's the first prayer. God, what do I need to see here? What is your perspective on this problem? Second one, based on the second principle is, God, where are you in this? That's a great prayer. I've prayed that millions of times because sometimes our situations make it look like God's nowhere in that. But he's always in that. So God, where are you in this? The third one, God, how should I deal with these people? <laughs> you know the, these people. It's whoever's in the crisis with you 
It's the chicken little and it's the toddler. But God always has a point of reference for us. Joseph deals with Mary in such a way that he elevates her and honors her in a way that's instructive for all of us. How do I deal with these people? And finally, this is one we probably, at least the first part of it, we get to, God, what do I do? And especially as I pray, God, what do I do? I include this part of it. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to need some courage and some determination to do what you want me to do. So enjoy that crisis. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would teach us from this and grow us and help us to grow deep roots into your sovereignty so that when we face crises of whatever variety, our first response is to dive into your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. As you leave, I meant to, uh, to highlight this a minute ago uh, or earlier. On your table is um, a synopsis sheet of the various classes that Howard Payne is offering uh, in the coming semester. And uh, I would highly recommend if you just have extra time and you want to do some personal spiritual growth, you ought to take part in some of these things, all right? So I can answer some of that problem, I mean some of those questions. Uh, Martha can answer some of those. So um, if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to pray through participating, okay? God bless you. Thank you for being here.